have your Bibles, let's go to the Numbers chapter 13, Numbers 13. And while you're turning there, I do want to express my appreciation. Dear friend of mine, Brother Don Heyman, uh, you know, we met about 17, 18 years ago on a dive trip. And I told him tonight, I said, you can't make new old friends. And uh, so we appreciate him so very much, doing an outstanding job in North American missions as well as, of course, the tremendous, everything is just a level of excellence, all the different printed, the material, et cetera. We appreciate Brother Don Heyman, number three, doing that, and we appreciate all of that. And of course, Bishop Heyman, honor you tonight. Appreciate your outstanding ministry. Of course, Brother Turpin as well, dear friend of mine, superintendent. Of course, Brother Alphen, it's good to have him as a North American Missions Director for Nebraska. And all of you pastors, thank you for being here on a Wednesday night. Amen. Numbers chapter number 13, verse number 1. The Lord spake unto Moses, saying, Thou shalt or send thou men, that they may search the land of Canaan, which I give unto the children of Israel. Of every tribe of their fathers shall ye send a man, every one a ruler among them. So in other words, get some men of influence and go look at this place that God has given to us. Numbers 13, verse 30. And Caleb stilled the people before Moses and said, Let us go up at once and possess it, for we are well able to overcome it. Would you bow your heads? Let's ask the Lord to touch us tonight. Lord, I do thank you for every sacrifice that has been made to be in this building tonight. I thank you for the power and demonstration of your word. I I ask, Lord, tonight that your presence would speak to us in a profound way. Speak to our lives and our hearts, I pray. Do what only you can, we pray. In the name of Jesus Christ, we thank you for your word and your power and your truth. Speak to us tonight like only you can in Jesus' name. Everybody said in Jesus' name. Amen. You may be seated tonight. One must know and understand the history behind where Israel had come to at that moment. You see, there had been an Abrahamic covenant generations before that had said, I'm going to give you this land. Clearly, the generational covenant there was passed down through generations. And here we see the children of Israel having come out of the bondage of Egypt, now simply wrestling among themselves as to who their identity is and who they thought they were. For you see, it was a generation that had been risen and had literally come alive. All they knew about was they themselves being slaves in Israel or in Egypt and yet God had delivered them miraculously had brought them to this great promised land and God was willing to give them the great promised land that had been promised over and over that was really already there But yet, in the midst of the discussion, the word of God comes to Moses and tells Moses, you are to go and send leaders among from among you. Those that can come back and tell everybody what glorious thing that I have given you. Because I just simply want you to go look at what I have already given you. 
Unfortunately, sometimes the message and the messenger sometimes get a little mixed up. And we see through the voice of Moses as he tells the children of Israel and these men that go, he said to the spies, he said this in Numbers 13, 17 through 19, Moses adds a few things to the message and he sent them to spy out the land of Canaan and said unto them, get up, uh, you up this way southward and go into the mountain and see the land. But then here he begins to move a little bit away from what God said. And he said to them, I want you to go see who dwells there. I want you to begin to look around. And he said, I want you to see the land, what it is. But then also I want the people that dwelleth therein, whether they be strong or whether they be weak. And the people that dwell therein, few are many. And he said, I want the land that is that they dwell in, whether it be good or whether it be bad. And what cities that they dwell in, whether in tents or or in strongholds and of course the message is sent to these 12 men and they go and look at the land the Bible clearly immediately tells them it was the season of plenty and harvest and they arrive and see the cluster of grapes and the magnificent things that God had promised to them but somewhere through the process they began to look around and see circumstance somewhere in the midst they they began to look at those around them. And of course, we know the story well that they came back and there were 12 spies all together and there were 10 spies that came and their message was this. Oh, you know, those grapes were good, but the truth is, have you seen the size of those walls? Have you looked at their armies? And yet there were two of those men that had their eyes on something very different because there were two of them that I can hear the conversation something like this. A 10 saying, have you seen the walls? And as they're babbling, hardly getting a word in, Oh, Joshua over there. And they said, what do you think, Joshua? And he said, there were walls. Was I supposed to be looking at walls? But I didn't really know that there were any walls to look at. I, you see, the first thing I saw was grapes. And oh, have you tasted these grapes? These grapes taste so good. I've never seen grapes this size. I've never seen fruit like this. It's sweeter than anything I've ever tasted. I can't wait till it's in my backyard. Oh, but, but Joshua, did you see the men? They're huge. There were armies there. Caleb pops up and says, hey, Josh, were we supposed to be looking at people? Because I really wasn't looking at people, 
But oh, can I tell you about the measurements of my new house? I've been looking at my new house. I've already got exactly where I'm going to live. Well, what about their chair chariots? I thought those were our new cars. It's theirs. I thought it was ours. You see, the truth is there are some in this generation that want to look at things and they look at circumstance and they look at situation and they look at all the things around them when the enemy said, you can't have it. You don't know what I know. But can I tell the enemy tonight, you don't know what I know. I already own it. Oh, come on. Some of you have been looking and listening. You heard the voice of God speak to you. You listen to the voice of God more than everyone else because in this hour, we've got a lot of noise. We've got a lot of things telling us we cannot and you never will and you don't need to and God is not with, oh, come on. But can I listen to somebody's ears, to the noise around because I need to go back and listen to the voice of God because God said it's already yours it was never about looking at the impossible it was about seeing what God was about to do And yet, unfortunately, Joshua, Caleb, they're the only two that get the message. But oh, they understood the message. And unfortunately, these two had to sit around and wait for an entire generation to die. Oh, I wonder how that must have been. Can you imagine? I know they're videoing. Can I get down here a little bit? Is that all right? I'm sorry. I'm the video guy's worst nightmare. But can you imagine how it would have been? I mean, just Joshua and Caleb walking around. We got to be here till they die. Hmm. I can see it like this. You feeling okay? You want me to start digging a hole or not or? Hey, let's just go dig a hole because maybe we can push men. Because we're stuck here. We can't go anywhere till. And I'm not talking about killing off a generation, folks. That's not what I'm trying. I'm talking about a mentality. They missed who they really were. Because you see, for generations, they had been 400 years to be, in fact, that they had been enslaved in Egypt, and they had forgotten who they were. But can I tell you, there was an Abrahamic covenant back there that told them who they were. And he said, your seed is going to be as the sands of the earth. This stuff that you see, every bit you look and you're looking at, it's all yours. But the problem was they could not get the slave mentality out of their system. 
We go through things, and then the enemy tells us we're relegated to be what we are right now. And just because you fought some battles doesn't mean God is not with you because what they failed to understand was really what God was doing. You see, you know, even, even Jacob knew. They go to Egypt to get out of the famine and to save the people. But Jacob knew the day he walked in, he was not going to stay there because this is not our land. This is not where we're supposed to be. We're supposed to be somewhere else. And so Jacob said, we're not always going to be here. And I may breathe my last breath here, but let everybody know that when I breathe my last breath and you bury me, the day that comes when we walk out of this place because this is not our home, I'm just passing through. He said, don't you leave me here. You better take my bones with you. Even Joseph, who became second in command over all of Egypt, who was the one that saved much people, that understood that God had brought all of the problems, all of the circumstances, all the situation, it was all to bring about God's purpose and God's glory. And every trial, every circumstance, every trouble, he said, there is... Joseph said, it may be for a season that we're here, but you're not always going to be here. You see, we can't get our eye off of the promise. We cannot get our eye off the prophecy. Because what God says, he will fulfill. You know, can I just say... We, we spend, you know, and, and I, I almost get frustrated when I hear people, because I said it, they were slaves. But in the end, they were not slaves. And in fact, from the very first generation that felt like they were slaves, God said, I don't deal with the time you live, I deal with eternity. And I'm going to pay them back. You say, how does God pay previous generations? Here, here, here's what he did. God said, all right, here's the thing. You've been in Egypt long enough. Now is the time I'm going to set you free. And overnight, in the middle of the night, God speaks to the children of Israel and says, go borrow everything you can. Who created the wealth of Egypt over 400 years? They did. By the sweat of their brow. But here's the thing. There's nothing that you can invest that God won't pay back. And so while they thought they were enslaved, all they were doing was putting money in the bank. And what one generation died not seeing the promise, he said, by faith. By faith, Abraham. By faith, Isaac. You may be a generation that hasn't seen it, but that doesn't mean you're not going to get paid back. 
You may not have experienced in time revival like you thought you would, but that doesn't mean it's not going to happen. You know, we often look at it, we say, oh, you know, think about it. Pharaoh left. He, he, he ran. I mean, Pharaoh, he lost his firstborn. He tells Israel, get out of here. Get out. But then, how does he change his mind so quickly? I'll tell you how. Remember what I said about the transference of wealth? Here's what I believe happened the next day after they left. Pharaoh says, hey, bring me something to drink. Bring me something to drink. Hello? Nobody's there. Hello, you... Bring me something. Sheepishly, captain of the guard kind of carefully walks in. Sir, sir, those people that used to bring you drinks, they're not here anymore. They're who you set free yesterday. Well, then you bring me something to drink. Sir, I don't know how to tell you this. I was going to when I heard you yelling. There's just one problem. Remember your favorite gold cup? Yeah. Remember that cup you used to have? Used to have? Yeah. It seems that we mistakenly loaned it to the people who used to serve you. Well, bring me that silver cup then. Well, sir, there's a problem with the silver cup you used to have too. Well, bring me some grapes. Well, we would, but we don't have anything to serve it on. What do you mean? And all throughout the land of Egypt, people are saying, go get me that cow. What cow? We loaned it to them. You loaned it to who? Those people that left yesterday, <laughs> I'm just telling you, it kind of, anybody got a $100 bill? Anybody? You got a $100 bill? Can, can I borrow it? <laughs> I'm not leaving till tomorrow. It'll be all right. No, I'm not going to. Well, you know what? Thank you very much. I just uh, appreciate that. If anybody's got a $100 bill carrying it, they, they want to give it away anyway. No, I'm not going to take your $100 bill. But can you imagine that's what happened? They just walked away with all the wealth of Egypt. What was God doing? It was the massive button that transferred all the wealth of Egypt from them, the Egyptians. To the, you, you say, oh, Brother, Brother Hobson, I, I, think, I don't know if you're accurate. Well, okay, let's go on in Scripture where Moses, God tells Moses, all right, I want you to set up a tabernacle in the middle of them. 
He said that I might dwell in the middle of them. And I want you to do this. And he begins to lay it out. I want you to inlay that ark with gold. And I want you to put all the fine drapery upon that tabernacle. God said, he said, well, how am I going to pay it? He said, I want you to take up an offering from among them. How do you take up an offering from among a bunch of slaves that have never owned anything in their lives? I'll tell you how you do it. You go check what just happened. God had already said there is generations that have gone without. But this last generation, I'm going to pay back. And that was the greatest offering known in the history of the world because the truth is that offering. Brother Turpin, I don't think yet we're saying, hey, there's more than enough to pay for this conference. But they were that night. Moses said, stop giving. We've got more than enough. When have you ever heard those words spoken? What happened? God had transferred the wealth of God was saying, listen, you have been living in a realm of slavery, but now I'm going to give you the promise. All the work that you felt like it was insignificant and God didn't see all the things that you never had. And God said, in one button, I'm going to transfer it all. And then God brings them to that great cul-de-sac. He said, go over. He told Moses, he said, go to Migdal, over by Pyroth, over by the sea. They get there and it's a cul-de-sac. Mountains on both sides. Body of water, Red Sea in front of them. And Pharaoh's army saying, we got to come get our stuff back. But what does God do? Really, that, that setup was not for Israel's sake. But what do we see immediately? You brought us here to die. <laughs> we're going to get all this stuff, but we're going to have to give it all back. Why do you think they were going to die? they had the stuff they knew according to Egypt they had robbed them blind and yet the setup was not about them and their demise it was about simply God once and for all saying I'm going to make sure you never have to look over your back and wonder when Pharaoh's coming to get his stuff back I'm going to wipe the whole entire army and Pharaoh out with one wall of water some of you have been in the fight of your life and you feel like God is so far away from you, but you don't, you don't recognize that just one wall of water, it may not be for your demise, it may be for the enemy's demise. I got a dear friend of mine, Brother Jared Pugh, pastors in Louisiana, and man, just about two years ago, the hurricane came through and wiped out their church. And when it happened, I, I, I'm sorry, I was probably the only guy happy about it. 
I knew it was going to be painful, but I told him months ago, and, and many d- people did. They said, this, uh, this is not going to be for your demise. God's about to bless you in amazing ways. And they just moved in just a couple of weeks ago into a brand new multi-million dollar complex, state of the art. And they only owe a couple hundred thousand dollars only because they wanted to put all of the updates in. And God has given, can I tell you, when God gets finished, it's amazing what God can do. So you've got Joshua and Caleb waiting around for an entire generation to die. And they finally die off. There's no really fight. All they have to do is walk around Jericho. God said, this isn't your battle, it's mine. You think you're going to do this through your ingenuity? Come on, you think you're going to win this generation through your intelligence? You think you're going to figure it out? Oh, I am all for doing the best we can to reach this culture. Culture is changing. Can I tell you, doctrine doesn't change, but culture does. Culture does change. But one person told me, told me like this, he said, culture is like carbon dioxide. You can't smell it, you can't taste it, you just wake up dead. Culture is shifting and changing. And I think we need to be and do everything we can to reach this culture. But can I tell you, I'm okay with all the cultural things that we're doing. But yet, as long as we don't hold, as long as we don't give up basic understanding of our apostles' doctrine and what they taught, because I'm telling you, lights never changed anybody. Oh, but when the power of God moves in, when the glory of God steps in the room, when the power of his demonstration and spirit begins to move and the waters are troubled, God changes everything. And it's really, they used to sing a song when I was in college. Shut up and march. And that's kind of what God told the children of Israel. Just keep your mouth shut and march around the walls. Because I guarantee if they'd ran their mouths, they'd have talked themselves out of it. How's this going to do it? I don't see how this is going to happen. We're just walking. I'm hot. I'm sweaty. I'm tired. I'm... It's probably hot and sweaty, but there had to be somebody in the midst that was cold. Because there always is. He just said, just keep your mouth shut and march. Because when I get finished with this, everything is going to change. So... Here we have it. The children of Israel marched into Jericho. Walls crumble. God gives them miraculous provision and things. 
And now it's, it's, Joseph, it's Joshua's time to begin to divide the inheritance up of the land. And in number 17, Joshua has given several tribes swaths of land. Number 17, he said, And the children of Joseph spake unto Joshua, saying, Why hast thou given me but one lot and one portion to inherit? Seeing I am a great people. For as much as the Lord hath blessed me hitherto. Who was it? Oh, that was Joseph's kids. No doubt about it. And Joshua answered them. I love his response. If thou be a great people, then get thee up to the wood country. Cut down for thyself there in the land of the Prizites and of the giants. Well, and he said, if Mount Ephraim be too narrow for thee. And the children of Joseph said, some people, enough's just not enough. They said, the hill is not enough for us. And the Canaanites, they dwell in the land of the valley, here chariots of iron, both they are of Bathsheen and her towns, and they who are of the valley of Jezreel. And Joshua spake unto the house of Joseph, even to Ephraim and to Manasseh, saying, and here's where he changes it. Before he was sarcastic, and he said, well, if you be a great people, have at it. Go for it. But then he realizes the mountain's not enough for them either. And so he turns around and he says to them, he said, he said, speaking of the house of Joseph, even if he said, thou art a great people and hast great power. Thou shalt not have one lot only, but the mountain shall be thine. For it is a wood, and thou shalt cut it down, and the outgoings of it shall be thine. For thou shalt drive out the Canaanites through, though they have iron of chariots, and though they be strong. What is the response of Joshua? When they said, I don't have enough, he just simply responds. Go take it. You want to own my title tonight? Go take it. But, but you don't understand where I'm at. Go take it. But you don't know the circumstances around where I've been looking. Go take it. But they're strong. Go take it. What, what are you waiting for? If God's word is established, then it must be true. You see, 
It was that same attitude and same spirit that came over Joshua and it was there with Caleb that said, oh, I know exactly who you are. We're a child of God and this has already been promised us for generations. They're just living on your land. Can I tell somebody, you're waiting to start a church. You're not sure if God can. Well, can I tell you, it's time to go take it. You're not sure if you can take it to the next town because the enemy has got you robbed and making you feel like you'll never. But can I tell you, the word of God coming to you tonight, go take it. Quit looking at the walls. Start looking at the grapes. Quit looking at the cans and start looking at the can. But sin is unimaginable. Oh, that's all right. Because the power of God is so much more unimaginable. You say, I don't have the money. Don't worry about that. It's not about what you have right now. It's what God's about to give you, what was already promised to you. Go take it. You're a mighty people. Go do it. My dear friend, a couple few years ago, Brother Art Hodges told this at General Conference. It bears repeating. Good friend of mine. Pastors there in, in uh, San Diego. Brother Gonzalez, he was a pastor there. and He was starting a church. And, uh, you know, San Diego is kind of a high-rent district. It's, it's, it's really expensive. And the reason your properties have gone up is because all those people from San Diego keep moving here. <laughs> but... Here he is, just a church planner trying to survive. He needs a place to have church. And so here he is, he loses the place they were having church in. But at the same time, he loses his job as well. He's getting a little bit of CFC support and... He's doing everything he can, but he told me, he said, Brother Hobson, he said, I, I, was about to, I, I was at my wit's end. I was, I was about to give up because we have to have places to have church, and I needed a job. He said, I, I called everybody, and everybody had told me no. Okay, there's somebody in this house. Everybody's told you no. You need to start saying, so what? There's somebody out there. Oh, come, come on now. You say, oh, you don't know. Quit saying you'll never have. Because you just boxed God into the fact you never will. You need to quit putting the pressure on you. You need to put the pressure on him. It's not your church. It's God's church. It's not your call. It's God's call. We never will. Oh, come on. Don't tell me you'll never own property. You'll never do this. You'll never do that. You don't know whose door you're about to knock on. 
I love the story of A.D. Urshan just knocked on the door in New York City on a lady's door that God spoke to him. And that lady gave him the first building that that church in Manhattan ever owned. You don't know what's around the corner. You don't know what God, because hey, God is saying to you, go, take it. And so Brother Gonzalez, he's calling around. He makes one more phone call. He calls a pastor. The pastor says, he said, can I rent? We, we need to rent your building. The pastor says, you know what? No, there's no way. Well, they talked a little while, and while they're talking, pastor says, you know, we're not going to rent our building to you, but would you come meet with me? That's where most of us have slammed the door, you know. Ah, I'm going to waste my time. No, just go take it. You don't know what God's about to do. Well, Brother Gonzalez, he said, I went there. And he said, oh, I got there. He said, they, he said, there was a board member there too. And he said, they were taking me on a little tour. I, I know I, I got to hurry here. But, but they're taking me on a little tour. And he said, you know, he said, he said, he said, and that's, I know he said, the, 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 the board member asked me. He said, you know, we're not going to rent this building to you. He said, yes, sir, I know. They've already told me. He said, but if we did. And you couldn't afford the down payment on the lease. Would you tell us? Sure. Okay. Just wondered. And they're walking around looking. And I mean, he said it was kind of like a tick-off moment, you know. He said they're, telling, they're showing me all this stuff that I can't have. <laughs> he said I just kept humoring them walking around. He said then the board member looked at me and goes, Hey. He said, got another question for you. He said, if, I know it's a crazy question, but if you rent this building and, and, and have church here and, you, and one month you can't afford it, would you let us know? You'd be the first to know. <laughs> After they got through the tour, pastor and the board member said, we weren't going to rent this building to you, but we like, just like what we feel around you. And in fact, you can have a church service here, and we're going to sign a little contract, and you, you rent this, rent, you can have church here. He said that, and that happened for a few months. And he said, then all of a sudden, one day, the pastor called me. And he said, sir, he said, I need to meet with you. He said, I went and met with him. He said, as I met with him, the pastor looked across from me, and he said, I'm about to retire. And, and Brother Gonzalez said, here I'm thinking, oh boy, here it comes. I'm going to be kicked out of this place. He said, but the pastor said, no, he said, um, he said, I, I was wondering if you would be willing to pastor this church. Look, it's all, there's only just a handful of people there, probably 20 or so. And he said, there, he said, well, sir, he said, I, I, I'd have to get back with you on that. Well, he went and talked to his pastor for the Hodges, but he said, um, he said, but I'm not going to change what I believe. He said, oh, no, no, we're not asking you that. He said, we just want you to have our little traditional service, preach whatever you want to preach. He said, we just want to be able, they just want to be able to have their little church service, but wondered if you'd, you'd pastor this church. He said, well, he said, yeah, well, he talked to his pastor, and Bishop Hodge just said, yeah, absolutely, go for it. You don't have to get a license with their organization, just, just pastor the church. So he starts, you know, they call him. They've just about got everything worked out. The pastor calls him and he says, listen, I need to meet with you to discuss the salary. Brother Gonzalez said, okay. And he 
he thought, there's, there's about 20 people, and this is a multi-million dollar complex in San Diego. I can't imagine what the upkeep is. He said, knowing all of those expenses are there and what we were paying, he said, frankly, I'm thinking, it's not going to take long to discuss the salary. He said, and I had lost my job. I really didn't know what I was going to do. He said, but uh, he said, I, I, I was just kind of at that wit's end. He said, but he said, so I met with him. He said, as I'm meeting with him, the man says to me, he said, now we've researched, you have a master's degree and we're going to pay, the church is going to pay you the equivalent to what the average salary of a master's degree individual is in San Diego. He said, but there's more. He said, where do you live? He said, well, I live. He said, well, you know what? We're going to add some housing to that as well. He said, in fact, we're going to put money. They're going to put money in retirement for you every month. He said, we're going to take your cell phone, all that stuff. We're going to pay all the expenses. Finally, he said, I looked at the pastor and said, how in the world are you going to do all this? And that pastor began to cry. And he said, sir, what you don't know is this, that 20 years ago, God spoke to me. And to prepare the finances of this church to where it is right now, you don't know it, but we have a cell tower that generates thousands of dollars a month. We have hundreds of thousands of dollars worth of investment. We have rental properties. He said, the salary and stuff I'm talking to you about will continue even if there is no one left in this building. He said, but God, 20 years ago, told me to prepare it because one day I was going to see a young man walk in these doors. And God's assignment to me was to give it to him. And he said, when you walked in, I knew you were the one. While you're sitting there wondering how it's all going to figure out while you've been looking at the armies, God has been saying, all I did was send you there to look at what I am going to give you. You say, I don't have a building. Well... Andrew Salcedo and his family, and I'm, 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 I'm 10 minutes, I'm five minutes from landing here. Andrew Salcedo and his family, daughter work out of Faith Tabernacle, good friend, Pastor Paul Connor there in Tucson, Arizona, started a daughter work in March of 2019 out of that Faith Tabernacle in South Tucson. He started looking for a place to rent and one disappointment after another, after another, after another. Finally, church, finally he got a phone call back. And a man that he had met several years earlier happened to be on a board of a little church building and said, we need to help this man. And they rented him a place to have church. During the first year of renting that building, they were sharing it with the people that owned it. They noticed things around the building that needed to be fixed. And they just started fixing it. In fact, they had an air, air conditioning contractor in the main church there. And whenever the air went out, they just called him and said, Can you come help us fix this? And we're not going to charge anything. 
Well, that happened a few times until finally the pastor of this building church came in and said, you know what? We've noticed that you're doing all this stuff for our building and you're bettering it. We're kind of feeling bad we're charging you rent. So you know what? From now on, we're not going to charge you any rent. Well, then, then 2020 hit. Anybody remember that year for any reason? <laughs> Chaos ensued. That church stopped having church. But they kept letting them come in their building and have church. 2020 was so detrimental. In fact, April of 2020, one of the trustees whom Brother Salcido had, helped, had been helped with and had helped him 19 years earlier, they'd met, and he had helped them get into this building lease. Trustee called him and said, I just want to give you a heads up. Our church has dwindled to the point they're going to shut the doors and they're going to sell the building. Brother Salcido thought, oh my word, what am I going to do? I know how hard it was and it's even 2020. Oh my word, what are we going to do? Then the pastor, there's a pastor by lady there, she called and said, I, I want to I meet with you. And he said, oh boy, here it comes. She walked in and she said, sir, she said, I want to tell you that, uh, that, that we're, we're going to be dissolving the church. It's going to be shutting down and they want to sell the building. And she said, in fact, we've, we've got an appraisal. The building's worth about $500,000. And Mother Salcido's like, there ain't no way I got a $500,000. He said, but she said, but, but they've been talking about it and they feel like they want to sell you this building for $100,000. He said, I about jumped out of my hide. He said, but I just went, hmm. Didn't want to get too excited. He said, but then she said, but you know, when they decided that, she said, I got checked, and I just didn't feel that was right. He's like, oh, I figured, you know. Good thing I went, hmm, you know. <laughs> and so she said, but let me work on this. In January of this year, do you have a picture of Brother Cecito? I believe we do, in his family. Let's throw that family picture up first. Hope we've got it. Sorry, we thought we had it. But that's, give me a thumbs up if you think you're going to get it. If you're not, just, okay, they're going to get it. Well, it's really good family. You're going to love them when you meet them. <laughs> Brother Salcido and his family there, and of course, you know, That's them in the dark. <laughs> Alaska in December. And yet, it's Alaska in January. Oh, there they are. Beautiful family. But in January of this year, they closed on this building that you're going to see right there. For a grand total of $20. 
I was with him a few months ago and he was telling me this story. I pulled a 20 out and said, can I give it back to you? I want to buy a building. He said, no, we've already had plenty of people like you. Can I tell you in the midst of it all, somebody's looking at this saying, I can't. I don't know how. I don't have the education. I don't have the ability. Oh, quit thinking like a slave. God's already given it to you. It's time to go. It's time to go to the next town and take it. There's cards out in the foyer. I believe that God is speaking to this generation. This generation, let's be honest, you're looking for a hill to die on. Can I tell you, it's not going to be easy. You're going to have to fight some battles. You're going to have to go through some battles. But can I tell you, in the midst of it all, I already know who owns it all. I already know who's paid the price. The promise was already given to you. Would you stand with me tonight? Oh, come on, turn to your neighbor and just boldly said, go take it. Turn to somebody else and say, go take it. You say, well, that was them. (laughs) You have no idea what God is about to do. I shouldn't say this because I don't want a bunch of phone calls, people asking me about connections with it. I said, we're starting crazy number of churches that we're going to need to fill up buildings with. He said, there is a tsunami that you have no idea about. And I can just tell you, we're not going to broadcast it. We're not going to tell everybody who it is. We're not going to tell where they're getting them. But there, I believe with all of my heart, God is setting up some things. And it's going to be... There's going to be some phone calls, Brother Turpin. There's some district superintendents and Brother Brother Hammond, there's going to be some phone calls to some NAM directors. They're going to say, hey, we've been looking. There's a, a little church that started, and I know they're looking for a building. We know where one is, and we're going to work on it. Oh, can I tell somebody, in the midst of it all, you may be looking at impossibility, but God said what you got to remember is, I am that I am, and I've always already promised it to you. So tonight, I think it'd be right. These cards are back there. You can, I know it'd be too much chaos to try to go back and get them right now, but I believe in your mind tonight, you can fill the card out and you can bring it here if you want to to the altar tonight before it's done, but I don't want the chaos of that right now. Let's lose what God is doing. But I wonder if there's some people in this building tonight. Oh, you may be already there, and the enemy's been telling you you can't. You need to just go back at home and take it. 
chariots. You're a mighty people. Go take it. I know who you are. Joshua, Caleb, you were the only ones that saw it. We've already come so far. In the last days, saith God, I will pour out my spirit upon all flesh. Your young men shall see visions, your old men shall dream dreams. Come on. Who's ready to go to the next town? Who's Who's ready to step out in the aisle? I'm not even just simply calling just pastors. I'm calling everybody who's willing to go to the next neighborhood. Who's willing to go start a Bible study in your school? Who's willing to go to your prison who's willing to go next door who's willing to go out of your comfort zone who's willing to step out and go take it God's already there Go ahead, lay down the fear at the altar. Lay down the fear. Lay down the accusations that the enemy says you're a failure. You may be toiling for years, but God knows right where you are, and He keeps good records. And when he goes to pay back, he's not going to owe you anything. Come on, that's it. Let the spirit of travail rise up in this house. Let the spirit of God and the gift of faith begin to rise in our midst. Let the voice of God speak to you. I know who you are. You're a mighty people. Oh, come on, that's it. That's it. I feel something in the house rising. I feel faith coming to the surface. Come on, Caleb, still the people. We are well able to go up and take this, for our God is with us.
building is already yours that next miracle is already there Uh Uh go ahead taste the grapes go ahead taste the fruit the harvest is ripe field is white and the harvest. Go ahead, take it. It's there. You're driven there not to show you the negative, but to show you what God is about to give you. Yes, yes. Oh God, right now I pray I pray right now, let there be a spirit of renewal. I pray, God, that you're calling. God, that which you have already spoke to us. I pray, let the renewal of the spirit come. I pray, God, oh, for years we've asked. For years we've dreamed. For years we believe the promise. 